Our scripture reading for today comes from Paul's letter to the Galatians, beginning in chapter 3, verse 26 through 29. Now we are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And for those of us who have been baptized into Christ, it is as if we are clothed with Christ. We are no longer Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, nor even male and female, but we are all the same. We are Christians. We are one in Christ Jesus. And now that we are Christ's, we are the true descendants of Abraham, and all of God's promises to Abraham belong to us. This is the word of God for you and for me. There is a time-honored story that many of you may remember that comes from the French Revolution. According to this story, King Louis XVI and his queen were condemned to death, and so they were escorted out to the guillotine in the public square where they were beheaded. But the mob was not satisfied with that. Bring out the prince, they cried. He is next. And of course, the young boy was terrified. He was only six years old, and, but he was next in line to be the king. And, and with this in mind, and with the mind of the crowd, he needed to be eliminated. Well, according to the story, the young prince stood there on the platform, shaking and trembling in his black velvet coat. And the mob screamed at him, down with royalty, kill the prince when suddenly a shout came from the crowd that said, Don't kill him. Killing him is too good for him. It will only send him to heaven, and that is too good for royalty, the the voice shouted. I say, turn him over to Meg, the witch. She'll teach him to be a sinner, and when he dies, his soul will go to hell. That's what royalty deserves. So according to the legend, that is exactly what they did. The officials officials turned the young prince over to Meg, the witch, and she was a vile woman who tried to teach him foul language. But every time she prompted the prince to be profane, he would stubbornly stamp his feet and clench his fist and shout, I will not say it. I will not speak that way. I was born a king, and I will not speak like I live in a gutter. Well, I'm sure that that story is probably apocryphal, but it does speak to us about our lesson from Paul's letter to the Galatians today. For you see, Paul writes, you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And for those of us who have been baptized into Christ, it is as if we have clothed ourselves with Christ. And we are no longer Jews or Greeks or slaves or free, nor even male and female. But we're all the same. We're all Christians. We are one in Christ Jesus. And now that we are Christ's, we are the true descendants of Abraham. And all of God's promises to Abraham belong to us. My friends, do you know who you are today? You're a child of God. And with that being said, nothing else in this world matters. Are you male? 
irrelevant. Female, doesn't matter. Are you from one of the better families in town? Good for you. That gives you many advantages in our society, but it doesn't mean diddly when we become before the, the Lord. Your skin color, your language, your nationality or ethnicity have no bearing whatsoever as to whether you get inside the gates of the kingdom of heaven or not. For you see, Jesus Christ has died for your sins and He has accepted you as a part of His family. And that, my friends, is all that matters. Because of Christ's amazing grace, you and I are children of God. And what wonderful good news that is. Howard Thurman was the dean of the chapel at Boston University, and he was also the first African-American professor at that stalwart institution. He inspired many of the leaders of the civil rights movement. But Thurman attributed much of his own dignity and his own vocation to his grandmother, who was a former slave. It seems that his grandmother repeated to Howard a message that she had heard in a worship service. Over and over again, she would say to him, You are somebody. You are special. I think it sunk in. Professor Tom Long tells about an occasion in the 1950s when Howard Thurman and his family were traveling through the South. They stopped to rest for a few minutes at a park along the highway there. And, and, and about that time, the, his daughter spotted a swing set in the park. And they started pulling their father towards the swing so that they could go and, and to play on the swing set. And they were too young to read the sign that was posted there that said that the playground was for whites only. And so sadly... Impatiently, Thurman told his little girls that they could not play there and explained to them why. And this was their first encounter with racism. They burst into tears. And so much as his grandmother had done for him when he was a child, Thurman gathered his little children into his warm embrace and he said to them, Listen to me, girls. You are somebody. You are special. In fact, you are so important and so valuable to God and so powerful that it takes the governor and the lieutenant governor and the whole state police force to keep you, your, you girls off of that playground. You are special. You know, it's terrible when a person believes that his or her life doesn't count for anything. But we see it all the time, don't we? The teenager who feels that he doesn't fit in. The adult loner who keeps sabotaging his or her relationships. The older person who wonders if it wouldn't be better for everyone if he or she just went ahead and died. There are many, many people in this world who don't think their lives matter in, in, in the great order of things. And it's sad. It's sad. Leslie Weatherhead was the 
an air, air raid warden during the awful days of the London Blitz back in the early 1940s. And when the all clear sound came about, it was his job to go up onto the streets from the, from the uh, bomb shelters and walk through the streets and survey the damage. Well, one night there was one particularly heavy bombing raid and and when he went back onto the surface after the all clear was sounded, he could see all he could see was smoldering rubble, just ruins everywhere. But as he was walking through the rubble, he he suddenly heard the sound of a small child's voice crying. And so he went around some of the rubbles and and there to his amazement, he saw an 8-year-old boy sitting on and sobbing on what had been a building. Somehow this child had gotten lost as he was trying to find the bomb shelter, and he had, but he had managed to survive in spite of all the bombing on the surface. And so Weatherhead went up to this little boy and he said, Where do you live, son? Where's your home? And the child pointed over to a street where there was nothing left but rubble. Then he said, where are your parents, your mother and your father? And the the boy said, my father's in the Navy and he's at sea and my mother was killed two nights ago. Weatherhead asked, where's the rest of your family, your aunts, your uncles, your brothers, your sisters? And the child shook his head and said, they're all gone. They've all been killed. Well, at that point, Leslie Weatherhead stooped down and got at eye level with this small child. And he said, tell me, son, tell me. Who are you? And with that, the little boy began to cry even more. And then through his tears, he said, Mister, I ain't nobody's nothing. I ain't nobody's nothing. Leslie Weatherhead said that if he lived to be a hundred years old, he didn't think he would ever forget the poignancy of that sight. A little boy sitting in the midst of all of this chaos, feeling that he was unconnected and unimportant to anybody else in the whole world. Commenting on this story, John Claypool writes, that condition is a terrible denial of one of the constituent needs of our human nature. We need to be loved. We need to be cared for. We need to know that what happens to us makes a difference to someone else. And isn't that true? And there are some people, perhaps even some people here today, who feel that way about their own lives. Unconnected unimportant to anyone else in the world. And unbelievably, some of these same people have parents who care for them deeply and or a spouse who adores them or children who look up to them. But somehow they have had something happen in their lives that has convinced them that they're unworthy or unloved or unfit to dwell in our society. And that just makes me sad. Flannery O'Connor once wrote a short story about a boy who went up into his attic, drew a big circle on the floor, and wrote in that circle a big F. 
in the middle of that circle drawn on the floor. He drew this circle with the big F in the middle of it because he hadn't been doing very well in school and he'd been receiving a lot of those circles with Fs in them. And then the young man did something tragic. He hung himself over that circle with the big F in the middle of it. For that's how he felt about himself. A failure. That's how he viewed himself. And I just wonder how many of us view ourselves as losers, misfits, failures. Well, folks, let me tell you something. If that's the case with you, then don't let the world do that to you. It's a lie. It is a lie. You are somebody. You are special. Because God loves you. And that makes you very, very special. ABC News science editor Michael Gillian tells about being a part of a famous experiment in co cooperation with the former ABC News anchor, Peter Jennings. The subject of the study was, was racism, uh, racial prejudice. And, and in one of the segments, they did an experiment featuring a school teacher and a large group of students. And the teacher began by dividing the kids up into two camps. There were the blue-eyed kids, or the blueies, as they were called, and the brown-eyed kids. And then she proceeded to explain that the blueies tended to be slower and clumsier and stupider than the other kids. And to reinforce this lesson, every time a blue-eyed student made the, even the, the slightest mistake, much to the, to the delight of all of the brown-eyed kids, the teacher would say something like, what else would you expect from blueies? Well, amazingly, after just a few minutes of this, most of the blue-eyed kids were thoroughly cowed, and some of them were even in tears. And folks, let me tell you something. It was, this was just an experiment and they tried to set everything right after that. But let me tell you something. If you don't think that things like that happen in the real world, then you are terribly naive. Because there are a lot of people out there who have been beaten down by the world. And it's hard to find your way back up. Here's what... The much-respected writer Henry Nouwen says about this. He says, the world tells you many lies about who you are. And you simply have to be realistic enough to remind yourself of this. Every time you feel hurt, offended, or rejected, you have to dare to say to yourself, these feelings, as strong as they may be, are not telling me the truth about myself. The truth even though I can't feel it right now, is that I am a chosen child of God, precious in God's eyes, called the beloved from all eternity, and held safe in an everlasting embrace. My friends, you are somebody. You are special. Rosa Marie Hart was a letter carrier in West Virginia for over 30 years, and for the first seven years of, of her job there, she said that 
Her one goal every day was to get the right letter in the right box and to do it in the shortest amount of time possible. In other words, she wanted to, to get the job done to get that taken care of so she could get on with the rest of her life. But then something happened to her. She had an ex, a, a spiritual experience. And in her words, she met Jesus. And she says, from that day on, I looked at my, my route in a different way. For the first time, I really began to see the people along my route and to listen to them. I knew them by name and, and I knew some of their stories, but now I heard domestic abuse in this house and the great joy in this house because of the birth of a child. I heard celebration here because of an upcoming wedding and, and grief there because of a death. She stopped to talk with the kids who were sitting outside on the steps in 10 degree weather because they had forgotten their keys and mom and dad were at work. And, and she remembered that a, a couple of houses down there were there was a couple who said that if the kids ever need us, you can send them down here. And so she knew it was safe to tell them that they could go down there and wait for their parents. Rosemarie began to treat everybody along her mail route as though they were one of her brothers and sisters in Christ. And it didn't matter if they were Christians or not. They, she treated them all the same. And when some of the patrons on her route were interviewed, they said, she is a breath of fresh air to us. Some of those who were, who were homebound said she's the only contact that we have with the outside world and she's so important in our lives. My friends, because Rose Marie discovered that she was somebody in Jesus Christ, she became committed to letting other people know that they were somebody too. And they were special as well. And I hope that's happened to you. Because, my friends, people who discover that they really are somebody in Jesus Christ, they find it very easy to tell other people that they are somebody special as well. As a matter of fact, I would say that that's basically the meaning of Christian evangelism. It's not about getting somebody to sign on the bottom line. It's not about getting somebody to repeat a canned prayer and, and uh, get their ticket punched to get into heaven. It's about letting the world know that because of who Jesus Christ is and because of what He has done, we all matter. Every one of us, young and old, male and female, rich and poor, black and white, Anglo, Latino and Asian, we are all children of God. And that should be a word of great blessing and encouragement to us. The Reverend Hal Chorpening tells about a visit that he made to a planetarium one time. And what he discovered there was that you and I are literally made out of stardust. Did you know that? We're made out of stardust. Our wonderful human bodies are made out of matter that once was a part of a star. He goes on to say that perhaps on a scientific level, that isn't all that exciting. But on a metaphorical level, it's mind-blowing. We have the, the Genesis story of Adam being created from Earth. 
And we have the scientific story of humanity being created from the stars. But then he reminds us of the, Paul, of the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians when he said this. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man, referring to Jesus, is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so we are who are of the dust. In other words, we have the image of Adam in us. And as is the man of heaven, so are we who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man from heaven. We have heard that we were created from the dust. But have you ever thought about being stardust? My friends, you are somebody. You're special. And to prove how important you are, Jesus Christ has come down from heaven and you are now a part of his family, the family of God. It is Christ's image that we bear because he is our brother and we are a part of his family. And that's wonderful news for each of us. Amen. Wow. We're going to sing a hymn of response this morning, number 307, Just just As I Am. And this is a message that I think is very important for each of us and one that uh, is very important for us to realize, and that is that Christ loves us and accepts us just as I am. And, and that's the only way we can come to Christ is just as we are. I, I remember someone uh, talking with someone one time and um, she was talking about the possibility of being baptized. And she said, I'm not worthy to be baptized. I'm not worthy of God's love. And my response was, none of us are. That's what grace is all about. And that's the only way that we can come to Christ is just as we are. No matter what we've done in our lives, no matter what has happened to us, no matter what frustrations we are experiencing, no matter what difficulties we are having in our lives, we come to Christ just as we are. And the good news is that Christ accepts us just as we are. I hope you've experienced that in your life. If you haven't, I hope you will come today just as you are and give your life to Jesus because He's there to accept you. Maybe there's someone here today who would make that commitment. Maybe there's someone who is looking for a church to be a part of. We invite you to make that commitment as we sing together, just as I am. Would you come?
May we go from this place in the strength of our Lord Jesus Christ, a strength that overcomes our weaknesses. May the power and the peace and the presence of our Lord uphold us and direct us and keep us always. In Christ's name, amen.